When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi. Serious. Welcome to High Theory. In this podcast, we get high on the substance of theory. I'm Kim Adams. And I'm Sharonik Boshu. We are two tired academics trying to save critique from itself. Hello and welcome to this episode of High Theory. Today we are going to talk about debt, which is the idea at large, but also in specific reference to David Graeber's book. And this episode is dedicated to the memory of David Graeber, who passed away recently. Today's episode is really special for me because it's also a reunion. I'm here with Huzaifa Omer Siddiqui, who is a longtime friend and one-time roommate, actually. Welcome, Huzaifa, to my show. Hi, Sharnik. Nice talking to you after a very long time. (laughs) Yes, it has been a really long time. I'm just going to ask you to introduce yourself, so if you can introduce your work a little bit. I'm writing my PhD at Jawaharlal Nehru University in New Delhi, in India. My PhD is basically on new philosophical movement called speculative materialism and its connection with the older philosophical movement of phenomenology. So it's quite high theory in that sense. It is It is the highest. It is as high as we can get. I don't know if we have like ventured into philosophy proper on this show because both Kim and I, I think, are a little bit scared. So am I. But we will. We definitely will. Okay. Let's just jump right to it because we, on this show, we pride ourselves on being brief. And I'm also a little groggy, so this will wake me up. Question number one, what the heck is debt? David Graeber's book, it's like a huge book. It's 400 pages. But right at the very end, he has this amazing definition of debt. And he says, debt is a perversion of a promise. He says that this promise is perverted by either mathematics or violence. And in that sense, a debt is something that you owe to someone that can be completely quantified. He's describing debt in like a more capacious way, like outside of the way we conventionally understand debt. And I guess like that's one of the reasons for that is like financial debt has overwhelmed the conversation about debt and we have sort of in public conversations forgotten about other kinds of debt. Is that is that right? The entire book is apparently about his, the history of 5,000 years of debt. And what's interesting is that David Graeber, of the people who are doing theory, I mean, he passed away recently, but the people who were doing theory of the last 20 years, he's one of the most interesting because he 
does not take as dogma the high theoreticians of the 20th century. And in fact, a lot of the times you might even see that his work is pointedly against people like Deleuze, Foucault and Derrida, who are mm-hmm. the three, the big three. So that makes his work extremely interesting. And also because for him, these people, their horizon is very limited by this kind of exchange paradigm. They're not able right. to think outside this exchange paradigm in which debt is placed. And therefore, he wants us to be able to think outside the exchange paradigm of something that he calls baseline communism. So one of the best examples he gives is that if you're sitting at a table and having dinner with someone and you tell someone to pass the salt and they pass you the salt, you don't hold it as something that is kind of something that exists in an exchange relation. That you, if someone has passed you the salt, then you have to do something for them at the same time or sometime later. And that is what makes his work very different from other people writing at the same moment. Right. Um, Yeah, this kind of reminds me of like, I'm guessing like most of our listeners have seen this show, The Office, at some point. And there's this one episode where like Dwight Schrute, the character. Yeah. He does favors for people, and then there is another character, Andy, who keeps doing favors back. And so his master plan about people owing him is like completely foiled. My other sort of more philosophically appropriate question would be like, how do you see Graeber's idea, or like Graeber's intervention into the idea of debt, vis-a-vis you know, like the Derridean idea of gift? Let's say. So basically, this is not very much included in the book Debt. But he talks about the gift in the other book that he has written, one of his first books, which is Towards an Anthropological Theory of Value. Now there, he says that for Derrida, what he gets caught up in Derrida is that he says the gift is something that is not possible within the logic of exchange, but it's also something that is extremely necessary. We have to be giving gifts. We have to have an impossible gift. And Graeber faults him on that and he says that, okay, suppose you are not that why should we even maintain this paradigm of exchange at all? Why are we not able to think outside this paradigm? And I think that's his criticism of Derrida in this sense can be extended to all the other high theoreticians as well. That in a sense, we are not able to even think outside this theory of this paradigm of exchange. And debt is the last barrier that we're not able to cross. That's that's really interesting. But I guess for the purposes of the time that we are living in right now, and especially the American economy right now. So I'm going to ask you specifically, what does David Graeber say specifically about debt as a as a function of like, you know, widespread financialization? Let's say. What I found most interesting is about that how Graeber classifies his perspective on human history. So for him, there are two specific, very different phases in history. One in which there's a widespread kind of credit systems and the second in which there is actually some kind of situation of credit into a certain substance which is either gold or silver. So he calls it either the credit system or the bullion system. And right right now, and he has actually made a kind of historical schema. So for him, apparently from 3000 BC to 600 BC, there's a domination of credit systems. From 600 Mm. BC to 680, there's a domination of gold and actual, you know, actual coinage. Again, then the Middle Ages, there's a reversion to virtual credit systems. And after that, Mm. there begins a capitalist age, which is again based on gold. And then with 1971, when Reagan, you know, got rid of the gold standard, that's when Mm. Graeber says that we are entering some kind of new situation in which 
we are again back to the virtual to relations that are credit but without the same kind of systems that were then the middle ages so right now if we have the same kind of virtual systems in which debt is basically a number on a screen right it's no longer yeah. tied to something like a substance like gold or silver or even a commodity if you think about the way production is happening in the advanced countries most production mm-hmm. is not any more production of commodities but as much as knowledge and information which are not substantial things right so that mm-hmm. is the kind of uh, system that he's saying is currently existent and how do we get out of this i don't know i don't know what graber's idea whether graber's idea is basically of the cancellation of all debt but i don't know how successful that would be yeah i mean you know that that has been in conversation in the debates both official and unofficial leading up to the elections this year and this year is 2020 i am going to move on with as much smoothness as, as i can muster next question which is how do we use debt and i understand like the weirdness of that question but i'm just going to ask you to take on that question by yourself how do we use debt basically what i think that graber is trying to do in the book and when he's talking about debt is that all the high theories that we have you know all these people like deleuze and derrida and foucault who are uh-huh. very you know in the sense dominant in the way we understand anything like we have to you know refer to these people to understand our current situation what graber is trying to say is that their focus on some things like play and difference for example these things are already incorporated into the capitalistic system post 1971 because once the dollar is no longer based on gold on the gold standard right. what is guaranteeing the stability of the market yeah. there is no actual substance guaranteeing the stability of the market it's just a kind of self referential play that the market system is going through and that's what's happening in you live in new york so you know that wall street is basically this entire gigantic mechanism where money is creating more money without ever going through the commodity that marx talks about in capital yeah and so what graber finds is that these theories these high theories whatever you might call them that they are in a sense very closely related to the way our financial systems are operating now and what graber wants to do is to be able to critique these financial systems without using these theories because these theories in the, will always replicate the way these systems work so that's a very strange you know bind he finds himself right so if i'm understanding correctly you know our and you know the wall street has been in conversation especially about uh, in the conversations about how the stock market is so healthy quote unquote healthy at a time of pandemic and as healthy as donald trump i think as uh well i mean it's like you know it's it's healthy and doesn't take into account it doesn't reflect the fact that there's unprecedented unemployment and i'm guessing from what you're saying that you know what graber is saying that ideas of difference ideas of play they are already sort of mired in this in this idea that the signifier and the signified aren't really related like you know the the sort of the connection is tenuous and which is how i guess like the relationship between the stock market and any kind of a real economic substrate the commodity people's lives these are the, that relation is tenuous which is why the stock market is behaving that way is i'm guessing that's what graber is saying yeah and that fits into his you know his kind of schema okay so his schema is a very strange schema 
So it's either you have a virtual credit system in which money is just relational. There is no substance to money. Or you have a mm-hmm. bullion-based money system where money is linked to some kind of material. Whichever, whatever that material is, whether it's human bodies or gold or silver or even paper money. And what Graeber, and what I find very strange about Graeber is that in all this talk of debt, he somehow still tries to valorize a kind of society in which there would be no debt, in which there would be no these kind of relations of domination. But the problem is that when he talks about this theory that when we are, you know, in a sense, that the only way something like debt can arise the only way something like money can arise is if there is a certain violence, if people are taken out of their context and become free-floating. And this violence, I don't think Graeber really talks about that much because this violence is a kind of surplus violence. It's not the same violence that exists in a certain localized community. It's a surplus violence when a certain community is exposed to other communities. And it, this violence happens at the border of these two communities. And that's where you can say money and debt and all these things come into play. Because for Graeber, there is no such thing as an exchange paradigm within a closed community. It only exists when there's a certain intrusion into a closed community and it's the abstraction from that closed community. So I don't know. I find that in this, that Graeber somehow valorizes these closed communities a bit too much with relation to huh. debt. That's really interesting. So on, on that note of partial perplexity, I'm going to move on to the next and last question, which is, I guess this is the weirdest question to ask about debt, which is how will debt save the world? How will debt save the world? <laughs> you can answer with an expletive, by the way. Well, saying. if you ask me, I don't think Dave Graeber really formalized this answer or never even thought about this answer. But if you ask me, I think that debt is... A kind of relation, right? And it consists in the creation of a relation. Relations that exist between people are usually not natural relations. Like most of our relations are never, you can say, born. You were never born into those relations. Most relations we make with people around us are relations that we have to create. And so debt is a certain way of creating a relation. But it's also a way of creating a relation by which you can end the relation at any moment. Yeah. So if I pay my debt to you or I pay my debt to the bank, the relation that I had with the bank is terminated with that payment. Arguably. Yeah, arguably. <laughs> so debt can save the world if we have a kind of relation that is eternal, an eternal relation. But that, I don't know mm-hmm. what kind of relation that would be. Because what Graeber says in one part of the book is that when capitalism takes itself to be eternal, it collapses. Because if capitalism mm. is eternal, there is no need for me to pay my debt to it right now, to my to the bank or to the mortgage people. I don't have to pay it. I can pay it in 100 years. So the moment right. it's these institutions are going to be, we, people think these institutions are going to be around forever, they become chaotic. So capitalism, in a sense, mm-hmm. has to create that chaos so that people assume and people believe that these institutions will collapse any moment and so therefore they pay their debt. So I don't know, if we had a debt that could never be paid, maybe that would be something that could save the world. I guess, I don't know, is is Graeber at some point saying, you know, because we began this conversation about debt while we talked about Derrida a little, and is Graeber at any point saying like that we should 
de-instrumentalize debt and like think more carefully about the what word should i use okay i hate using this word but like the transcendental you know possibilities of debt let's say like you know it's it's not just a figure on a computer screen it is an actual a it's an actual relation that you have with another entity whether it be a person or an institution but it with but it's also like um a symptom of the fact that we always exist in relation to each other as human beings yes and but that's what the strangest thing i got from the book and from reading graber's other works is that we really don't know what a relation is we don't know what it means to have a relation with a person or even to have a relation with a thing or with another living mm-hmm. creature we assume that we know what relations are but we don't really and this is where graber gives a very great like very interesting example he says that the concept of property is not about things but it's about a paradoxical element which is both a thing and a person the slave so property begins only when you can have a paradoxical element who is both a thing and a person not only with things and that makes an idea of relation very complicated now we don't know whether we are projecting our relations of property onto people or whether it's a relations of people that are projecting onto property and therefore graver's right. work is extremely important because that question of the relation becomes manifest to us much more clearly than anywhere else i think that's a great note to end on thank you so much for coming to the show huzaifa thank you so much and, and explaining that to us and thank you for listening to high theory If you like our podcast please review and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Patreon or wherever you get your podcast fix. You can also find us at hightheory.net. Owen Quinn composes our theme music and Charonic Bosu manages our social media presence. Many thanks to Christian Aviles for guest editing this episode. We hope you have a highly theoretical day.